Welcome to the Let That Go Show with Kasira McKee and Richard Skipper. This show is based on Kasira's book, Let That Go, where she guides people in completely blessing and releasing people, places, and all kinds of things. Kasira and Richard share personal insights and experiences based on concepts in Kasira's book with guests and you, their co-hosts. Are you ready to let that go? Let's go. Hello, Kasira. How are you? Hello. <laughs> we have a lot to unravel tonight, don't we? Oh, boy. Uh, oh, it seems, boy. It seems like you and I have spent the day together. Yeah, we <laughs> We yeah, we had a phone date, quite a lengthy phone date. We had a phone date, and then we had our book club today that we uh, yeah. did just before coming on here tonight. Which is really fun. That was really great. Yeah. So uh, it is Thanksgiving week, and I'm thankful for you, Kasira. Thank you. I'm and thankful for you, baby, and every and all our LTGers. Yes, I'm thankful for everyone that's being here. And you and I see that you said that when you comment, you still see my icon. Just know it's yeah. me. Well, how do they know that you and I are not the same person? Well, we probably are. I think that our I think our cells were split at <laughs> I do too. You know, I because I don't know if I've ever told you this. I'm going to show a picture of you, but you look like my grandmother looked when she was your age. Oh my gosh! I hope that's a compliment. It's a compliment because I loved my grandmother so much. She was the most beautiful woman Aww. on the planet. So, of course, uh, yes. So, thank you, uh, Dee. Hi, Dee. Of, so, of Dee, course. this is this is what happens when I don't do anything to my hair. This is my hair in its natural state. Yeah. <laughs> so I did not blow dry it and roll it and do all that. So thank uh, anybody who appreciates my curly hair. I thank you. So let's talk. Let's talk oh, about let's what's talk. going on in the world. And uh, we just want to talk. We are going, you know, as Kasira and I are uh, prone to do, uh, we go with the flow. Uh, we can go anywhere. Uh, yep. To all of our... Uh, let it goers that are here tonight. Mm -hmm. Anything that's on your mind, anything that you want to talk about. Of course, our topic tonight is, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, desires versus obligations, especially at this time of year. We want to talk about those things as well. But Kasira and I had a long talk this afternoon um, about uh, what happened uh, in Colorado Springs. Well, it's everything. So. So I called you and you answered the phone and I said, I, you know, over 600 mass shootings this year. I just can't anymore. I can't, I don't know what to do. With, I don't know what to do. That's what I and said. It, and you said, Oh my God. I, and we, then we, you know, then we talked. Um, I had just I, screamed out loud literally <laughs> seconds before you called seriously because of something that I had just heard on TV. I am, they are, calling this a hate crime. Now I they am, are. Now they are. Now they are. Now they but are. I am so tired of all of the red tape that they have to go through in order to call it a hate crime. When someone walks yeah. into a venue with an AR-15 and they start shooting randomly at strangers or people they know, I don't care if it's someone that they that's on their radar, and when I say radar, meaning people that they actually know or people they don't know. Mm -hmm. um, I don't care. It is a hate crime, yeah. and we need to get rid of the red tape and call it what it is. It is mm -hmm. a hate crime. Yes, and get rid of the red tape. I also I've been saying for a long, long time that. Uh, we need to get past this idea that this is truly about the Second Amendment. Uh, we moved, we passed that station ages ago. This mm -hmm. is about commerce. The NRA and the GOP, everyone is making a lot of money off of these mass shootings. Every single time there is a mass shooting, Gun sales go through the roof. Uh, people get scared. People go, well, I'm going to get my gun. I'm going to go out there. Um, you know, I remember uh, after the uh, Pulse shooting and 
they uh, said that if more people had been armed in that venue, uh, less people would have been shot. Well, let me tell you, I don't know, first of all, how many of you have been, I used to work as a singing waiter in a nightclub. And if you've never been in a nightclub, and Cassandra, you performed in nightclubs. I did dinner theater, darling. Yes, and and nightclubs, and and and, a, and mostly, yeah. I did a lot of clubs with when I was in a big ten piece horn band, but and I sang in a lot of a gay cabaret clubs. But yeah. that's but you know what I'm but you know specifically what I'm about to talk about uh, mm -hmm. when you are performing in a venue where alcohol is served. People are not operating with their, uh, imagine full, somebody with a full, gun. Full faculties. Exactly, at uh, three or four o'clock in the morning. Also, the Pulse nightclub was a disco. And the, the, the layout of the club, there were various rooms. So mm -hmm. you've, got, uh, you've got strobe lights going off. And if you've ever been in a strobe light, you have absolutely no concept of depth perception at all. Um, you think you're looking at someone and they are actually here. Um, you know, so this idea of arming people in nightclubs or clubs uh, is just not the way to go. Uh, so we need to get rid of that thought first and foremost. Like arming, also, like, like arming teachers. Uh, exactly. Guns aren't the problem. It's the teachers don't have guns. That's the problem. Yeah. But the don't bottom get me, line don't is, get me started on, oh, hmm. yeah. I am, I'm sick and tired of it. I'm 62 almost in two months. I'll be 62 years old, years young. I do not want to look over my shoulder anymore. Mm -hmm. I desire and require, to use your uh, uh, word, mm -hmm. to go into a supermarket a church, uh, a theater, a nightclub, any of the places that I desire to go without having to A, look over my shoulder, B, carrying a weapon uh, to protect myself. I desire to have the freedom in this country to go into safe space parades, churches, any venue. Kids should be able to go to school, not worrying whether or not the guy or the gal sitting, most guys, I've never known a girl to do a mass shooting. Thank God it hasn't happened. Uh, sitting next to them, whether or not they have a gun in their backpack. Uh, I never worried about it in school. I'm sure you never worried about it in school. And it's a shame that kids now in school, that we had hurricane drills uh, because I grew up in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, outside of Myrtle Beach. Um, we had uh, tornado drills. We had uh, fire drills. But we never had mass shooting drills. And my heart aches for these kids. Every morning when I go for my morning walk and I see these kids get on the school bus and they drive off, I say a prayer every single morning for these kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, last week our show was supposed to be about what we letting go of what we're not thankful for. I am not thankful for hate in our country. I'm not thankful for hate. It is hate. It's hate. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm today, as you know, I was speechless when I called you. I, I said, I, I don't know what to say. Here's, here's what I'm doing. You know, each of us is so powerful energetically. We talk about that. And, and all of our LTGers that watch, you all, you guys all know this. That's why we're, we're you know, that's why we're a collective consciousness. And my prayer and my chanting every morning, most of you know that I'm a practice Nitran Buddhism and I chant. You know, I'm, I'm chanting to raise every day I chant. And I also practice Vipassana meditation. I chant silently. I am doing my own energy regimen to raise my life condition, to raise my life condition. 
I can't control anybody else. We can't control each other, obviously. And I keep telling people that, you know, it, it, you think you can control somebody? Watch the news. No, we, we don't, you know, you really, you can't unless you literally handcuff and jail somebody up, you know. Um, all I can do is control myself. And I'm fervently chanting to raise my life condition every morning when I start the day, before I walk out the door, before I make phone calls, before I talk to anybody. It's, it makes all the difference in the world. It makes all the difference in the world. It starts with us. An ocean starts with a drop of water. One drop of water. I've got two we're questions each, for you. We're each drops of water that, are, that make up an ocean. And uh, it, it really, each one of us can be so powerful, especially energetically. And I just want to remind everybody of that. So that's what I'm doing every day keep my life condition up so that I magnetize uh, good things, positive mm -hmm. things, mm -hmm. um, so that I take that out into the world with me when I walk out the door. I deal with people every day. You know, I deal with a lot of people every day when I work my civilian job. And I, I have to have a high life condition before I deal with all those people. I have to. So that no matter what anybody says or does or what they're thinking or what they're feeling or how they're acting out or whatever happens, I'm always in a high life condition. I never get lured into it. I never buy into it. I keep within myself. I stay in my own body and I watch my own psychology and I watch my mouth. Kasira, when did you first start writing your book? It took me three years to write this book. And... Um, what was the publishing day, Richard? <laughs> I can tell you. Well, it's a blur. Um, I I wrote this book for three years. It took me three years to finish this. And I've already said before, you know, all my friends were like, will you finish the book for God's sake? Uh, uh, it took me. No, that's not true. February 2019 is when I finally published it, okay. I believe. Yeah, it, I started writing it in 2016, 2015, 2016. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that you talk about in the book that we talked about on the show before, and I want to talk about it for a moment, and that's the boomerang effect. Because mm -hmm. everything that you talk about in the book is manifesting in the world that we're living in. Um, this shooting, as well through as ourselves. all these shootings. Through ourselves, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Through ourselves, we manifest through ourselves. But what yeah. I'm what I'm saying though is that this this shooting is a direct result of the boomerang effect, because there are our political leaders are putting out messages into the world right now that are planting seeds in the minds of people that make them. You know, whether they are uh, dealing with mental illness or whether they feel that they are on a mission to make these political leaders uh, feel that they are out there doing their bidding or helping them out. Paul Pelosi is a perfect example. When someone went to his home uh, to literally kill uh, or to break Nancy Pelosi's kneecaps. Uh, if she didn't tell them what she they wanted to hear. And the boomerang effect continues to, if that had not happened, chances are, I believe, Nancy would not have stepped down. Uh, but she realizes that it's time for her to step down for the safety of her own family. Uh, she doesn't want to put her family at risk anymore. Um, uh, Bobart... Um, lives on the outskirts of where this shooting takes place. For the last few years, and Natasha just posted, and she's absolutely right. I'm going to bring this uh, comment on screen. Uh, yesterday was the anniversary of Transgender yes. Day of Remembrance, yeah. uh, between 11-1 and 10-3-31. Uh, 298 trans individuals lost their lives. Yes. Uh, she has been uh, putting out hate messages uh, against the trans community. Um, I heard uh, one of the representatives uh, from this area who is uh, a trans individual 
uh, speaking today about this very thing. Um, she's also has been very uh, vocal uh, against um, the uh, drag queen story to, uh, hour, uh, as well as uh, Tucker uh, Carlson and the Fox Network. Uh, the shooter went to this club, uh, Club Q, uh, at the very time that a drag show was taking place. Uh, that's the boomerang effect. Uh, these things are happening based on what these people are hearing. Uh, every single day, and I've talked about this uh, on my other shows, on this show, we are responsible for the messages that we are putting out uh, into the world. Um, Kylie, what's his last name? Somebody help me out. Who just recently put out um, a tweet about uh, the anti-Semitic film. He said, well, I didn't make the film. I'm not responsible for the content of the film. I'm just sharing it. Well, if you share that content, uh, you have a platform. You've made a cause and you're, you're participating. You're participating. You're participating and you're making that cause to participate. Yeah. Kasira and I. So in that, and that just shows another lack of not accepting responsibility for one's own actions. Go ahead. We have a platform and we appreciate you all being here. Mm -hmm. uh, all of you have a choice as to whether or not you choose to share the content, whether or not you don't share the content, whether you leave comments uh, here and beyond. Uh, mm -hmm. We all take responsibility for what we put out into the world on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And each thing that we do, whether it be here within this hour or afterwards, uh, I know that Sherry Callahan goes out and she's like an ambassador of this show. She goes out and she talks Thank about you, this Thank you, Sherry. Uh, Natasha is the same mm -hmm. way. Danielle is the same way. Uh, Thank you, guys. You know, Alan, you all are. I know you all are because I see your comments. I see your postings. Mm -hmm. You go out and you're all part of the boomerang effect. You're putting mm -hmm. those messages out there and they're positive messages about the work that we do. Aaron, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Caleb, you're doing the same thing. You're all putting these messages out there and that's mm -hmm. a boomerang effect. It keeps going out there and it comes back to both Kazira and myself mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we both appreciate it. It, but it brings out into the planet. We, you know, we talked, Richard and I talked about this today as well. Well, we talked, I can't believe we talked. So. Oh. Um, uh, I wrote this book to assist people. I had no visions of getting rich off this book. And obviously, and who knows what's going to happen. I don't, I don't know. Yet I wrote it for a reason. I wrote it to reach people about, about, waking them up, us all waking up to what we hold on to. And hate's one of them. Hate's one of them. Hate's a big one. Um, and hate is not really a feeling. It's, it's, a, it's a result of a, a combination of feelings. You know, I'm a feeling person. And in the book, in the feeling, I'm going to talk about this for a minute. Because just, can we just talk about this for a minute? Mm -hmm. Why we hold on to thoughts and feelings? These people that are going out and killing everybody have have these thoughts that trigger feelings that have them want to go out and kill people. You know, um, and here, well, here, are the feelings, here are the feelings again, y'all. Everybody who has it, page 89, here are the feelings. Let's talk about them. Uh, anger, fear, sadness, disappointment, disgust, humiliation, surprise, and joy. Now, there are people that go on rampages at their old jobs. Why? Because they felt humiliated and angry. And disgusted. Possibly. Possibly. Uh, but people who hate other people for being different uh, have been fed that information. Some Somebody taught them that or they're not having conversation. There's not enough conversation. A dialogue is so important. There's not enough conversation with diverse people. If, if you, if I don't, if you surround yourself with, if you guys surround yourself with people that are only on your page and only agree with you, you're not getting 
you're not getting other thought processes from other people. You're not getting another view. It's good to get other views. It's good to hear what everybody else believes and what they think and what they feel, you know, and what they were raised with and what their convictions are. It's good to hear that. I have a lot of, you know, I'm not a Republican, but I, you know, my whole family's Republican. I got Republican friends, you know, and I don't, I don't hate them. And I don't, you know, we have conversations. We have conversations. If we have dialogue, 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 dialogue is so important. And if somebody is unwilling to, if somebody wants to debate, I, I do know people that all they want to do is debate it, debate, debate, debate. They don't have a conversation. They just debate it. I'm not interested in the debate. I was not on the debate team in high school. I was, uh, I sang in the musicals. <laughs> mm. I was not on the, the debate. I don't was debate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I'm, not, I'm not on the debate team. Uh, you know, so don't, you know, if you want to have a conversation, great. If you just want to debate me and fight your, fight your opinion, I, I'm just not the person to call, you know, but it, it, so it's a lack of dialogue. It's a lack of mm -hmm. allowing diversity in one's life. And the other thing that some politicians and, and one, the, one of the women, you, the woman you were talking about, I think she's, a, there's a woman, there's a female politician that's trying to ban drag queens from reading stories to kids in libraries. Bobart. They don't, they don't read, they're not reading porno people. They're reading Dr. Freaking Seuss. And what they are teaching is the fact that it's okay to be whomever you are. Yes. And that's the magic of this. I want to talk about this guy, Dave Cullen. I want to get him on our show, Kasira. He was on uh, Nicole Wallace's Dateline, Washington, D.C. this afternoon. And he was talking, he's an openly gay man. He wrote the book about Columbine. And he was talking, he said that one of the words that he just does not like is the word tolerance. Because he doesn't want to be just tolerated. And he was talking about the trajectory of his life as a gay man. And he said when he first came out as a gay man, he's from Dallas. And he and I talked about this earlier today. I know. I, I'm from Dallas. I know who he is. Yeah, that he, you know, going to a gay bar and he said this gay bar, the windows were blacked out and everything. And he said you had to park behind the bar and then you came around and you went in the front door. And he said in just that time of coming around and going into the front door, he said his heart was racing so fast because in just a few moments, he could have been outed. Uh, people would have known who he was. He could lose his job. He could be, you know, all these things could happen. And he said, as he's grown as a gay man, there are certain things, I will tell you, my husband, Danny and I, we are in a wonderful, loving, monogamous relationship. We still don't hold hands in public because we don't know who's watching or yeah. who's with us. And um, I don't want to be in a situation that's going to provoke someone. On the flip side of that, when we got married, legally wed almost 11 years ago, mm -hmm. um, when we went to get our rings, uh, the jeweler um, was, uh, she was in tears. She was so happy to help us. When we went to the venue for our wedding, they were they went out of their way to help us. I know that there are people out there who, you know, fight those bakeries that don't want to bake a cake. Well, quite frankly, I don't want a bakery to bake a cake for me that doesn't want to bake a cake. God forbid mm -hmm. what they would do to a cake that, that I, I, if somebody does not want to bake a cake for me, they're not going to get my business anyway, and I will go elsewhere. But he I mean, there's plenty of there's plenty of gay pastry chefs out there who would love to make a cake for you. One of my best friends is one in Dallas. So, yeah. But he was talking about the fact that, um, you know, so many of his uh, straight friends, um, they, and he was again talking about the tolerance level that mm -hmm. they, you know, it's like, you know, oh, he's our gay friend and that's okay and everything. And he said, but there's still that ick factor that goes with the way people perceive gay people and it's that gay that ick factor of their private lives that bother mm -hmm. people you know what goes on behind closed doors how they perceive them and everything and those things and those seeds that are planted just as you just said about these uh drag queens uh, and how they are teaching they are not teaching pornography 
They are not grooming children. They nope. are not doing all these things that uh, the Fox network is telling people that they are doing. Mm-hmm. And yet they are being targeted. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, I performed uh, for 20 years as Carol Channing and I had children on my stages. I performed in some of the most right-wing rural territories in the country. And it was never an issue. I guess because it was Carol Channing, it people felt safe. People really believed that I was that character. But the more flamboyant someone is, the more freaked out some people get. And yet you would think that with shows like RuPaul's Drag Race and these shows that are on television, that that would build a sense of tolerance. Um, You know, someone perhaps, you know, can correct me if, you know, has RuPaul spoken out on these issues? I haven't heard anything from him. I was thinking that today. I haven't heard anything. Because I think that RuPaul... I actually haven't heard... I There's a lot of star drag queens out there, baby. Uh, you know, I watch RuPaul's Drag Race. But there's a lot of celebrity drag queens who I haven't heard anything from yet. I, I wonder if they're talking amongst themselves and, you know... But don't uh, you feel that uh, RuPaul is the most uh, mainstream of, of all, that he has reached a level of success that very few in this business will ever uh, achieve? And yeah, that- well, he, he opened the door. And there's a like Trixie Mattel. I follow Trixie Mattel. I follow um but Trixie Davenport. Mattel is not a household name. Uh, oh, yeah. oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And you know I our friend, but you know our friend Wayne Smith in Dallas. Of course, he's yes, an impersonator. He's not. He's not a drag. He doesn't really call himself a drag queen. He's an impersonator. I wish um, that yeah. Wayne was around. I wish he was available to come on the show right now with us. Uh, I think he is a, has a night off, baby, and he is he is loving it because he works almost every night. Um, our friend he's Wayne Smith is a share, is a very well known share impersonator. Send um, him and a text I, message and see if he can join. No, us. no, no, no. He is. Uh, he is resting his voice. I know that for a fact because he sings live mm-hmm. several nights a week as Cher. Um, I, 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 I don't know. Maybe next time. Um, so the my point again is each of us is really, really powerful. And if we really uh, go within and we and we who care uh, raise our own life conditions, raise our own energy, which means raising the your vibration. I write about, it's all over the book. Raising our vibration, raising our vibration, each of us alone by ourselves. No one can do it for us. We have, we have, we, we must take responsibility and raise our own, our own uh, uh, energy frequencies. The more of us that do this, the more of us that let go of negativity the more of the, the, I'm telling you, it, it's changed. There are people around the planet that do this. I just think not enough. Just not enough. Yet, uh, it's, it's, it's growing. It's growing. It's growing. And, and, uh, people raising their own energy vibrations and accepting responsibility for their own thoughts and feelings and beliefs and actions and words, that's what's going to change things. That's what's going to change things. Um, we can uh, we can petition all we want. We can speak up all we want. Yes, that's very important, which what we're doing now. Yet it means nothing if we're not walking around on, on the planet, in the world, in a higher vibration. It's very powerful to live one's life in a high state of vibration. It, it really is contagious. It, it really does mist. You know, I use that when we meditate, I use that analogy of the mist, our, of the mist spreading around the planet, that, that positive loving mist. That's what, that's what it looks like to me. It looks, it, it literally, it actually looks like something to me. It has a picture Well, let's use that as a perfect segue into the subject at hand for tonight's topic, because I think that brings us, you know, to, you know, where we are this holiday season. Um, And, uh, you know, just the message that Kasira and I desire that you all take with you, that you're all responsible for the messages 
that you're putting out there into the world at this we time. all are mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we all are mm -hmm. uh but uh you know uh this time uh you know a lot of there's a lot of stress in the world mm -hmm. and stress will cause people to do weird things uh stress will cause you to lash out uh stress will cause you to do things i mean we snap uh we say things that we don't necessarily mean uh, it happens mm -hmm. uh, at uh, dinner tables, uh, whether it be over politics, religion, mm -hmm. uh, uh, things that happened 25 years ago uh, that people have been sitting on for 25 years that come out after a few cocktails. Um, there are so many things that happen, especially there's something about the holidays that brings these things out. And the holidays, um, a word that I use that I don't think you use a lot is trigger. I say it all the time. Okay, okay. Thoughts trigger feelings. I say it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so Alan, is that, is that Sasha Keys? Yes, that's Sasha Keys. Okay, so I want to, we're gonna talk about holiday stress next week, but. Uh, let me tell you, stress is not real. And I write about it in the book. If you read the book, uh, stress, what, when we say we're stressed, we're overwhelmed. That is a result of overcommitting ourselves. That's it. Mm -hmm. We overcommit. We are responsible for our stress. If we are stressed out at work or we're stressed out running around and shopping, we're stressed out in traffic, whatever stress is one out means you've overcommitted yourself. You said yes. You agreed to it. You committed your, we committed ourselves to doing certain things. And if we feel that's quote unquote stress, it just means we overcommitted ourselves. That's it. And then, it, it, you know, on the job at work, yes, we are made to do what we're asked to do and what we are, what our duties are and what we're expected to do. And yes, we sometimes feel stressed or overwhelmed, yet we made a commitment to work that job. We made a commitment. So what goes, comes with it comes with it. I feel it. I feel overcommitted many times, yet that I agree to it. And there's another layer that's been added to this. And it didn't really have a name. At least I don't think it had a name until recent years. And that's FOMO, fear of missing out. A mm -hmm. lot of people add that on that people feel, uh, I know, that at this time of year, um, not included, left out or not included, left uh -huh. out or not included. Like you're having uh, a great time, but I'm not having a great time. I'm not included. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to punish well, you because you're having a great time and I'm not. Well, you know, over the weekend, I was invited to two dinner parties uh, and uh, at both event at both parties, uh, mm -hmm. someone pulled up the, their cell phones and took pictures. I didn't say I don't want to be in the picture because I don't want to be antisocial. And yet those pictures both ended up on social media. Um, it, you know, they both ended up both on Instagram and uh, they, they, these were private events. Um, and there are people who know these people. And I'm sure that there, uh, sometimes it happens where people mm -hmm. go, well, why wasn't I invited to that? Or, mm -hmm. you know, how come, and, it, it happens. That's why I don't go around taking photographs of everything that I do, because mm -hmm. I am very aware. Um, well, you and I are both empaths. And so I'm always thinking of how other people are reacting this type of year. And I also don't point fingers at people who want to decorate their homes uh, in October. Um, and speaking of which... Uh, Doug, I don't. I know he's uh, probably resting tonight. Tomorrow is his surgery, so mm -hmm. we send positive thoughts his way. But he decorated early because mm -hmm. he wanted to be uh, ready for the holidays after and, his surgery. Yeah, yeah. But there are some people um, not knowing all the circumstances. I've heard people say, "Well, why is their house decorated? You know, so early." Well, you don't know what they're going through. Yeah, it's very judgmental. Um, yeah, and, and people feel that way about Christmas lights, too. I know people that uh, they have something all year long. It keeps them, they they have to have 
they require that Christmas spirit all year round. It can't just be at Christmas. And for and somehow having something out that's Christmassy reminds them of the Christmas spirit every day of the year. I also knew someone. I don't who have any. I, I'm 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 sure there's a lot of opinions out there about that. You know, it it is what it is. You know, and oh, people right. that people that keep Christmas lights on their houses all year long and turn them on. But the question is, why should it matter to anyone else? Exactly. Judgmentalism. It's one thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can understand if it's your ne next your neighbor and the lights are blinking constantly and into your living room or something like that. That may be something that you may that may bother you. And you may go over and say something to the neighbor if it really is something that bothers you. Uh, maybe you can come up with a compromise. Uh, but other than that, I don't see what the big deal is about. So, yeah, um, I agree. And so getting back to obligations versus desires. And, you know, I've had some people go, oh, I don't feel obligated to do anything. I, I do whatever. But uh, that's fine. Great. Good for you. When I was a young adult, I was obligated to go to my family's house for Christmas. You know, when everybody got together, I didn't want to see everybody. I didn't want to see everybody yet. I felt obligated to go because my grandparents really wanted me to. And, and so I would go. My grandparents were the glue that kept everything together. And after they both died uh, and we lost the family house, um, we didn't do it anymore. We didn't have those family Christmases anymore. Those were gone years ago. Those were gone, gone, gone. And now I look back and go, gosh, I sure wish we had those. Wouldn't it be nice if we had those big family Christmases and Thanksgivings again? Wouldn't that be fun, you know? Uh, to see everybody in one place at one time. Um, and I and I asked you today, and I'm going to ask everybody that's watching, and I, please think about this and please tell me, the, tell me the truth. If you could do or be or be with anyone this holiday season, Thanksgiving and or Christmas, where would it be? Where would you go? What would you do? Who would it be with? I'd really like to know. Should I tell you what I said? Yeah, go ahead. I am going to be exactly where I want to be. I'm mm -hmm. going to be, Danny and I are uh, cooking dinner for uh, eight friends. Mm -hmm. uh, my friend Jennifer Roberts mm -hmm. is going to be in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, which I'm excited nice. about. Um, <laughs> I love, you know, I love the holidays. Uh, I, uh, I watch the, I get up, I'm in my pajamas. Uh, I, I brine my turkey the night before. It's a big process for me. Um, I recommend brining the turkey, everyone. Um, I brine the turkey and then, uh, on, uh, Thursday morning, I will be watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And when Santa Claus arrives, I burst into tears. I always, uh, but she is singing to, she is part of the Macy's choir and she's going to be welcoming Santa this year. And she's visiting here from, uh, she is visiting uh, from Detroit. And mm -hmm. so we are, she's coming here. She's staying overnight and she's spending Thanksgiving with us. And I, when I found out that she was going to be here, I invited her and I put this dinner together around her. And, oh, uh, that's so, so lovely. Uh, so I'm doing all of the traditional. I put my menu together today. I am looking forward to uh, just sitting down and having friends over. Um, and then in a, uh, on the 10th, I've got this Christmas concert that I'm doing at the church across the street. And to me, it's just about being with my friends over the next four weeks. Um, and uh, with a few shows thrown in, in between. And you and I, of course, will still be doing this. But it's not about physical presence or anything like that. Uh, they, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm minimalizing. I want to get rid of a lot of uh, stuff. Yeah, me um, too. And, uh, but just the, to be with it, my friends and uh, to celebrate the, and December for me is always a time of reflection every year. Um, and I'm always thinking about the past and I'm always thinking about the future. And I do set resolutions. I call them intentions and mm -hmm. I stick to them. And I've been very good. I stuck to my intentions for this year and mm -hmm. I've got intentions for the new year. And as I am 
planning and prepping for the new year, um, I get very, very excited. I'll bring uh, his, uh, I know that you're reading it, so I'll bring it up. I rebelled against my dad's overbearing conservatism and declined joining the Thanksgiving family dinner on November 26, 1992. He suddenly passed on our, around uh, 3 a.m. November 27th. Uh, We've since reconciled through the veil. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Alan. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Nobody's told me when well, nobody's told me where if in their biggest dream, if you could go anywhere and be with anybody and do anything, what would you do? Thanksgiving and or Christmas. Nobody, nobody has anything to say. Are you thinking about it? I, uh, if I had my, if I had my druthers, I'd be in a beach resort right now with a spa and meditation classes. That's with right. Me by, That's with right. Me by, That's with me good. by your side. Well, no, you, you can't come with me. You'll be having hosting a dinner at your house. I'm happy to go by myself. I don't care. Can, I mean, it'd be fun to go with a friend or two. That'd be kind of fun. You can still but desire me by your side. <laughs> I, I, don't, I would gladly go by myself, you know, in the United States, in the United States, on the West Coast. Um, oh, have you, let me ask you this. Uh -huh. Have you, um, being in this business that you and I are both in, have you ever performed on a major holiday? Oh, God, yeah. What was that like for you? Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, oh, when we're on tour, we always perform. We perform no matter what when you're on tour. Uh, people come. There are shows on holidays. Right. I was booked... So at the Angel Cabaret Dinner Theater on Thanksgiving. Wow. In, uh, in Exciting. Uh, uh, just outside of Tampa, uh, Florida. And so Danny and I went down and we have friends, uh, our friend Marilyn, who uh, her husband, Bob, has since passed away. They knew that Danny was coming in to, down. So they invited him to a big Thanksgiving dinner. Mm -hmm. So I don't like to eat before a performance, especially a big no, Thanksgiving I don't dinner. So mm -hmm. I figured I would eat after the show. I did two shows that day. I did a matinee and an evening performance. So I, all day long, I am performing in front of an incredible audience, but uh, very appreciative, um, stuffing their faces with all the traditional foods. Yeah. And when the show was over and I got out of makeup and I wanted to put together a doggy ba a bag to take home with me, the kitchen was closed. Oh! I had oh. no Thanksgiving dinner that year. And I, I I was so, I was in a very bad mood at the end of that evening. And nothing was open. Nothing. Uh, I mean, I went back to the hotel and Danny, you know, came back. He had gone to this incredible dinner. And he didn't think to bring me back anything because he thought I would eat at the, I was performing in a dinner theater. There was <laughs> There was absolutely nothing. No, on tour, if I ever toured, uh, they, we got fed. We had a, we we got fed. We got fed on holidays. Um, but I, you know, when I was a, when I was a massage therapist at a hotel spa, I worked on holidays all the time. People were in town visiting people, and they wanted to get a massage on Thanksgiving or Christmas, and I would do it. You know, I've worked through holidays. And um, I, had, I had a producer once, and when I was doing my show off-Broadway, uh, mm -hmm. he booked me on Christmas Eve, and I said, nobody's going to be there. And he said, you're wrong. It's Christmas Eve, uh, and you'll have a big Jewish crowd. And I did, you know, and, sure. uh, you know, so a great audience that night. So, sure. uh, but, you know, I didn't want to, uh, and I know so many people, I, I, I remember um, that on uh my first Thanksgiving in New York, it was an orphan's Thanksgiving because mm -hmm. for, I was doing a show in New York called No, No, A Million Times No. And everybody that was in the cast, we, uh, the star of the show, we all met in, uh, at her studio apartment and which was like the size of my office. And we were all there. And one of the actors, her boyfriend was starring on Broadway in Equus with Richard mm -hmm. Burton mm -hmm. at the time. 
And wow. he had to leave to do a show that night on Thanksgiving night. And I thought that was the strangest thing. We were having a wonderful time and he had to leave because he had a show. So Alan says he'd like to virtually project himself <laughs> to anywhere and everywhere his family lives, which is obviously all over the world. I'm, I'm guessing your Kensington is in England, not Kensington in Brooklyn. <laughs> it might be. Uh, oh, maybe it is. Oh, Barcelona. Oh, sure. I'd like to Where you there. going? See, see, I thought of Hawaii as well, Alan. I thought of Hawaii, Hawaii as well. Yeah, that'd be nice. Except I don't want to take that damn long flight. I met some people the other day here who came from Hawaii. And she <laughs> she was so excited to come with, uh, she and her partner came to spend with some friends and I'm like, why did you come here? You were in Hawaii. It's so cold here. And uh, she goes, well, you have to see friends. And she she had a, um, she goes, I feel like I'm getting a sinus infection. I'm like, yeah, you came from Hawaii to the Arctic. Yeah, of course you feel like you have a sinus infection. Um, yeah, but, you know, Christmas, it'd be nice to see my, my elderly parents. They're alive, uh, you know, still attempting to go strong and you know other family members in Dallas would be fun and some friends that you know I have a lot of friends everywhere except here and um you know it'd be nice to kind of spend not for the not to get gifts or anything just to hang out with them you know and have and some have some good food and talk and that'd be fun uh but I but I don't feel you know it's funny because uh I work with people who have obligations they have big families or they have kids and they have grandkids and they're obligated to produce holiday. They're obligated to feed people and they're, they're, it is an obligation and it's not that they don't enjoy it. Um, uh, but I, but I, I notice I've been, you know, we've been just kind of chit chatting all of us about it, about obligations. And, um, and I, and I'd like, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think I asked them, what would you really like to do? I don't think they'd tell me the truth. Well, I want to go back to something you said earlier. You said that, you you know, after your grandparents passed away, those family get-togethers pretty much uh -huh. fell apart. Uh -huh. And you said that you somehow missed those moments. Have you thought about putting something together yourself? Oh, when I lived in Dallas, I put together family stuff all the time. And it was usually for somebody's birthday. It was usually my birthday because nobody liked it. Nobody liked the responsibility of, of nobody in my family wants to work that hard anymore. My, you know, my grandmother would just do it. People would bring food, but hey, man, she would, she's from the country. She, man, she know how, she knew how to cook a turkey and honey, her homemade stuffing was amazing. Mm. And all of the, all the baked stuff and, you know, the, um, she made rum balls, but the problem is she wasn't a drinker. She never, never had a, dro a drop of liquor in her life. And she didn't measure anything. She cooked from scratch, honey. Those rum balls were toxic. Oh, was, I can imagine. It was like having a shot of rum. I am not kidding you. And she would put them in these little clay jar things that clip shut to ferment. And but and she would hide them in her closet. But we all knew that she hid them there. So in the you know in the holidays, people would come over and go hi and walk right through the living room, walk right through the house to the bedroom, open the jar and get a rum ball. I, I'm not kidding you. It was so funny. Uh, yeah, you know, those times were fun. Those times were fun. I was in Virginia doing a tour. Uh, I was performing uh, in children's theater. I was performing. In, uh, I had a grammar school show and a high school show that I was doing. Mm -hmm. And on Halloween, uh, my leading actress that was playing opposite me and our stage manager we went to uh, a restaurant. We went to a Chinese restaurant and I ordered what was like a, shri a, a shrimp scampi, uh, which I used to eat shrimp. I don't eat anymore uh, because um, I I ate the shrimp and I said, there's something wrong with this. And uh, the uh, manager came over and he said, no, it's a special sauce that we use. I said, no, there's something wrong with this. Oh. Well, um, it was the beginning of, uh, I thought I was going to die. I had I got hepatitis. Uh, Whoa! The shrimp. How and, did you get hepatitis uh, from a shrimp? Yes. I, wow! I, I didn't know you I, could do um, that. Huh. So from uh, from Halloween until Thanksgiving, I got progressively sicker and sicker and sicker. And so by Thanksgiving, I was so deathly sick, I almost died. I truly did. And um, my parents 
came to, uh, they, I called my sister and I said, don't tell my parents because I didn't know what I was going to do. She mm -hmm. told them and they, yeah, uh, but they with, you know, as crazy as I've told you crazy stories, mm -hmm. this is one moment where I knew that they truly did love me because they got in the car and they drove from South Carolina to Virginia to get me. And I went home to South Carolina and I, for the next six months, I recuperated. But on Christmas Eve, because it was always a big deal at my grandparents, um, they made me go to my grandparents. And I, and I was sick and I didn't want to go. And I'm lying in the back bedroom at my grandmother's house uh, thinking uh. that I was going to die that night. And, mm -hmm. uh, and it was like this cacophony of sounds where everybody was having a great time and, and you were suffering in bed going please just let me die tonight um, oh I, I have felt i have had food poisoning like it was on tour with carol actually yeah, yeah. i had food poisoning so bad and i can't believe i actually performed the next day um, i was so sick all night long oh god did carol did have honey carol didn't eat shrimp alan hello carol didn't eat shrimp well uh but tell uh you can tell him about the fish <laughs> do you want to tell him about the fish it's it's common knowledge, Kasira. You can tell him. So you know her her dead husband, well, her first dead husband. Well, Charles, I mean, it was well second no, dead husband. her third. Her third. Oh well, no, uh, no. She was married to the football player, and then she was married to. No, she Charles. was married four times. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, anyway, Charles convinced her she was allergic to everything, and when he met her, he said she was a party girl. She needed to clean up her act. So, um, so he wouldn't let her eat anything except fish and lamb. I don't know why lamb. Uh, and she could have pumpkin seeds for a snack. She just didn't eat a lot. He wouldn't let her eat a lot. And, um, so one day, uh, when, when we started the show in Dallas at Dallas Summer Musicals before we went on our, the two tours, um, what she brought her own food and beautiful canisters no hell no so um she had it, she uh, she they were staying at the adolphus hotel in dallas which is a, a historical beautiful hotel and um then she had a balcony and so they got a grill and the grill it was out on the balcony and you know robert told the story god it's so funny robert nolan her who's still my friend who was yeah. on our reunion show who was her personal assistant time they were grilling her fish and lamb and uh and suddenly the hotel room was full of smoke and um she was like joe my god you know she's running around in her her bill blast robe <laughs> her orange and what was it orange and yellow bill blast robe. yes yes and um and that stupid uh grill caught the awning on fire and <laughs> all this <laughs> It was very funny. But, you know, years later. And then, and she felt like, and bless her heart, because um, because he wouldn't let her eat anything else. Um, she, you know, when we had parties and stuff, she didn't eat anything at the party. And I asked her one, and, and, and she always smelled like fish. And, you know, bless her heart, you know, at the, up at the beginning of the show, Kevin Ligon and I were down stage left, and, and we were one of the people that she, we had dialed, she handed the card too you know and she spit a lot well we all do we all spit yes. but she but we could smell but she didn't want to she would do a mint or something she would do a mouthwash or something before the show so she didn't offend anybody but she smelled like fish and mouthwash. <laughs> so years later she comes to new york and she was performing at feinstein's at the regency and mm -hmm. uh so the next morning i i had breakfast with her i was going to take her to lunch and I said, where would you like to go for lunch? And she said, well, truth be known, I am partial to Subway. And I said, Carol, I'm not going to take you to Subway. <laughs> I said, it'll be in all the papers. Richard Skipper takes Carol Channing to Subway. But when I stayed with them in Palm Springs, that's mm. all she wanted to eat. She loved Subway. She should have done a commercial for Subway. Because well, that's after Charles. That's after Charles died. That was after Charles. Because she, then she figured out, oh, I'm not allergic to everything. I can eat whatever I want. Yeah. And she loved. I mean, this again. 
I I was I say with them, um, uh, and if you've seen the movie Carol Channing, Larger Than Life, the at the very end of the movie she gets her star on the Palm Springs Walk of Fame, and you'll yes, see I saw me. It. I'm right there with her. Um, she um, that day, I mean, the fun part was spending that day with her. She loved Pinot Grigio. Uh-huh. And she, she said, oh, Richard, I just love my Pinot Grigio. My Pinot Grigio. Because the G was a yeah, hard he didn't let her Because she didn't let her drink. Yes. And she said to me, you know, Richard, uh, did you know my friend Loretta Young? And I said, well, not personally. She said, Loretta Young told me that if you eat cheese, you can eat any, uh, you can drink and drink and drink and never get drunk. And uh, her publicist said, well, Carol, you ate that cheese this morning. She said, it doesn't last that long. And he says, well, if it does, you're in trouble. And she said, you're a smart ass. She said, do you know the definition of a smart ass? Someone who can sit on an ice cream cone and tell you the flavor. <laughs> she That's was hysterical. terrible. Oh my God, I just loved her. Oh my God, we laughed and laughed and laughed. Right there. Oh, I love it. Isn't that I a I love it. Where's my picture? Should I pull my picture out? Yes, I don't even know. Your picture. Where is my picture? Oh, I know where it is. Hang on. There's my picture. Hang on. Well, okay, first let's say, let Carol say hi. Hi, Carol. Hello, Richard. Okay. Talk amongst yourselves. And while she's doing it, I, I'll show you. This was, um, I'll show you the, uh, most of you have seen this. This is this is the first time that I performed for Carol. Look at us. <laughs> I had the best time that night. Come and see my show. Plate spinners, jugglers, and Richard Skipper. You'll hear all about this night. Oh okay, I found, here it is. Here it is. Okay, here. I love that picture. I love that picture. Me and Carol. Yes. God, it was a. It was in Hawaii. It was. It was the last stop on the last tour. Here, let me bring it back a little bit. Whoops. Here we are. That is yeah. one of my favorite pictures in the world. It's one of my favorite pictures in the world. And let me tell you, that dress was tight. It was tight, baby. I couldn't eat anything, half of anything on tour because I had to fit in my costume. Oh uh, yeah, there you go. Look at that. Look at that headdress, baby. Look I know. at her headdress. Good Lord, and that big wig. Oh, God, it was fabulous. Done by oh, Tivis Davenport, darling. Oh, my God. Tiv came to see my show with Carol. Oh, I loved him. He was so funny. You know, uh, he taught me how to do, when we first started the show in Dallas, I got called in for my own special session with Tiv Davenport. He taught me, because I had a lot, of, I've always had a lot of hair. A lot of the girl dancers didn't, and they got uh, they got wigs to wear with their Sunday clothes hats. Uh, but since I had hair, there were some of us that, and Mary Jo, Mary Jo, you know Mary Jo. Yes. She had a lot of hair, and Joe Nelson had a lot of hair. So the three of us got a lesson on how to do our own Gibsons. And we he gave us, they're, they're called rats. They're these things that you have to pull apart and then make these little balls. And he got me some blonde ones, some yellow ones. And um, he taught us how it ruined my hair. I had to do a Gibson every, nine times a week, eight times a week. Uh, but he, he, I got my own private lesson on how to roll my hair in its own Gibsons. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. And curled the front. I had, I had kind of bangy things. So he said, curl the front. And I said, okay, or have bang. You can, you can straighten them out if you want to. It's okay. But he, I had to roll my hair in a Gibson every freaking night. We all did. Oh, I loved her. She came to uh, Tiv, Tiv, uh, Tiv, uh, Tiv, well, Tivis. Uh, Tiv, Tiv came with Carol to see my show in New York, and Danny uh, went to. Pick, I'm going to share this story, then we're going to wrap up tonight. Yeah, Danny went to pick up uh, Carol and Tiv uh, to bring them, uh, and uh, uh, when Danny picked up Carol, uh, she said, um, "I spent all day at Bloomingdale's." Because I wanted to make sure that Richard would not be wearing what I'm wearing today. <laughs> oh and my gosh! Here's a picture from that. Oh, night. let me see. I pull it. Pull it. Hang on. Let me. Let me widen the screen, darling. 
Oh my God, I love that. I love that yes. picture. And that wow, is, wow. Yes, there uh, she's wearing uh, the that's the outfit that she bought at Bloomingdale's that day. Yeah. So I want to say, Carol, I am so thankful I had yeah. you in my life. Uh, yes. I, oh God, how lucky. How lucky you and I are, Kasira, that we had G, how lucky can you get? That we had her in our lives. And uh yeah. you know, and, it was quite an experience, and I have good friends from that show since it's been 40 but, years. It's it, this year is 40 years ago that we did that those tours. But I have to say this: it's because of Carol Channing that she brought us together. Spiritually, she brought us together. That's to true. That is very true. So Sherry, have fun on Saturday. And and I'm thank I'm glad that your roommate moved out. <laughs> Great. I know Everybody Sherry is so a, happy about that. See, Sherry, you manifested that. It's the See, Sherry, see, Sherry, look how powerful you are. Yes. See, you are a powerful manifester. So shall we, shall we, shall we just can we just hey, you guys want to end on a really short little meditation y thing? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let's just do we wanna. You, you tell me, do we want to end a little meditation thing? Let's end with the toast tonight. Let's end okay. with the Thanksgiving toast. Okay, you know I have my uh, I have my bubbly grapefruit here. Good, and I've got my coffee. Okay. So I just want to say I'm thankful. Um, it's been, uh, well, a little over a year since you and I uh, have been doing this. Is it? And oh. I think, well, almost a year. I don't remember. Okay. And, uh, but anyway. Wow. You, you add so much to my life, so I'm th th thankful. Oh, I'm well, thankful. it was it was your job to do. It was, I'm sorry, it was your idea to do this show. So thank you. And I'm thankful to everybody who's here. Um, uh, Sherry Callahan says, I know how powerful I am. I didn't manifest it. I threatened him with aggravated harassment. <laughs> That's, a That's a form of manifestation, <laughs> Sherry. Hello. And on that note, uh, Kasira, you got the final word tonight. Let's just all take it. Now, as you stay here, Richard, let's just all take it. Let's just close our eyes for a minute. Just take a deep breath. <sighs> let's just sit together here for a minute in this positive energy. In this uh, collective consciousness that we're creating, what we've created and we continue to create. And just let's just hold our energy. Feel that. Feel that. Uh. Universal energy coming through your crown chakra on top. <sighs> coming down through your psychic chakra between your eyes. Going down to that, that pineal gland at the back of the nape of your neck. Your throat chakra coming all the way down through your heart chakra. Just feel that energy coming down. That, that bright yellow of your sacral chakra where your tummy is. Yeah. The orange of the where your sexual chakra is, yeah. and that uh, the red of the uh, bottom chakra, your root chakra, all the way down through your feet. Just feel that energy. Ooh, my hands are sweating. Feel that energy. That it's uh, your your prana tube is what it's called. Your prana. That uh, those colors lighting up in your body and above and below your above your head and below your feet. Just Ooh, just feel that love, love, love energy and that that thankfulness and that gratefulness for whatever we have that's going right, what we've co-created that's positive. Let's just hold that energy together. Imagine all of us sitting in a circle. Even whoever watches this later on, imagine us sitting in a circle, holding each other's hands. Right hand goes over the left hand. So your right hand goes over the left hand of the person next to you. And your left hand goes under the right hand of the person on the other side. We're holding, we're not, we're sharing energy. We're passing this beautiful, loving, grateful, thankful energy to each other around the circle. And we're creating a circle of really, really positive, high, high vibrational energy. Just imagine it for a moment. Imagine that energy shooting out through all of our feet and through our heads, through our crown chakras, both ends, 
shooting below and upwards towards the sky, towards the universe, just sending out this positive high vibrational energy right now. Spilling over into planet Earth, to the moon, to the sun, Venus, Mars, Pluto, Jupiter. Oh, just sending out unconditional, unjudgmental understanding and acceptance all over the universe. Just feel that, feel how good that feels. I feel it. My hands are sweating. Oh, that feels good. Just sending out the love. Now imagine us sitting in this circle, still holding hands, still sending out this light. Open your eyes and look around the circle. Open your eyes and look around at everybody in the circle. I want you to know how special each and every one of you are. Know how special you are and how loving you are and how important you are and how powerful you are. I'm looking at all of you. I'm looking around the circle. Take this amazing high vibrational energetic love with you. See it through Thanksgiving. Take this energetic vibrational love with you through Thanksgiving. At least. At least until next Sunday when we see you again. And then I'll replenish your energy. <laughs> I love you all. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. And I have a blessed holiday. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.